Welcome to Whack or Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie to determine if an album, band, or entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of that time. Like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refuses to die. These next boys might have lost the battles, but not the podcast war. Nice. Hey, I'm Noah. And I'm a bookworm. <laughs> uh, I'm Adrian. I'm your producer. And I was trying to get unemployment. And I was told it first kicks in after a few weeks. And I was busy looking for another job. And I also have a heart condition. And I told him I have a heart condition. Whoa, I said, whoa, whoa. We all got a lot of problems, guys. <laughs> this is a podcast <laughs> about music. We're not, <laughs> we're not getting personal. <laughs> and I am Caleb, your host. And your the book's burner. Whoa, Caleb. Yeah, but I'm that not like cool, bro. Kind of like cancel culture post left uh book burner. The cool one. The cool one. Anyways, welcome to it. Episode 26, all up in the mix. 26. Come, come a long way, coming off the heels of a very, very successful uh classics, the classics. Uh, we uh, yeah, I thought that Grace yeah, Jones one went got, really well. Got a lot of good positive reception. A hell of a follow up today. <laughs> yep. Now we got to return the books. It's that feeling. You're like, damn it. I know we should be. I gotta more... go drive across town. As go up pop- to that weird shaped box, the little slit in it, and drop my shit in it. I don't know. As a podcast, that's. Uh, sponsored by the Santa Maria Public Library. You know, I wish this episode was going to be better. All right, I just got a feeling. This is one of those insignificant ones. Not to be confused with that Jim O'Rourke album. It's pretty good. Hell yeah. There's some more Rourke on this, I think, a little bit. Some shades. Episode 26. 26. What can we do for that number? Um, 26. What's the 26th Dan Brown book? <laughs> I don't think I has 26 books. Or one of those Gris- John Grissom. Um, okay. Let me look something up. Do, 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 do. I can't even name. You really need a fucking intern. Uh, I'm going to say the Rainmaker. He was already <laughs> up to 26 by then. Looking for John Grisham. Do you guys like more Tom Clancy or John Grisham movies? Movies, I think Grisham has them beat. Yeah, dude, the guy's got some firepower behind him. Coppola, Coppola's the rainmaker. Adrian, what's your guess? Uh, well, I'm looking at it here, so I got it. Oh, uh, oh nice. Kill no one's bit. gonna. No Do one's it. gonna get it. And the bit. It's uh, uh oh, it's no, it's gonna be something kind of like bland, like the deposition, <laughs> the sidebar. Yeah, it's called in my chambers. It's called objection. <laughs> it's even more. It's even more like nondescript than that. If I'm if my math is correct here, which I think it is, <clears throat> the twenty sixth book is Sycamore Row. What? What's that have to do what? with courts? 
it's the a legal Smith, thriller mississippi surprise no surprise. he's all uh he's all memphis or memphis this one does take place in mississippi actually there you go but most of his shit's based out of Memphis. That's where he's Okay, from. 26. What's the 26th Stephen King book? I'm just going to do this all <laughs> night. <laughs> Welcome to the 26th book podcast. Where we 26th Stephen King book was probably written the second year that he was writing books or something, probably right? Cujo. <laughs> no, I feel like 26 is probably deep right in the middle of his uh, cocaine. Yeah, Cujo. Prolific cocaine. Yeah, he, could, he probably could have used John Grisham at that point. All right. Fucking, Caleb. Yeah. Ask me what we're doing today. <laughs> you don't want to know the 26th uh, Stephen King novel? All right, hurry up. If it's fast, yes, I want to know it. Nothing is ever fast on this podcast. So it looks like, oh, okay, Noah, can you guess what it is? Cujo. Never mind. This shit's, I can't, know. I don't know how to search <laughs> on this shit. I said, what's his 26th? And it gave me under the dome, but then it clearly says it's his 48th novel. So I don't know how this STO shit maybe. works. All right. Cut all that shit out. Um, Keep it in. We're talking about books. All right. Noah, what are we doing this storied episode? Today, we cracked the book on the band, The Books, and their 2002 album, Thought for Food. Are you sure that's Adrian. not a typo? No, that's how they phrase things. Right. Adrian, what did Pitchfork? dot com say about the books 2002 album thought for food so like a lot of outlets they praise this album uh they gave it a 9.0 it preceded the best new music but i'm sure they would have given it that distinction it it precedes it by about a year i believe it's reviewed by our old friend mark richardson who tried to put himself on jeopardy what? Is that guy tried to put himself on Jeopardy? Mark Richardson did? The yeah. producer of the producer oh, of the- Jeopardy, right? <laughs> Is that his the guy's name? like, I know who'd be good. <laughs> Me. Me. <laughs> You're What's looking right at him. What okay. I, why is a guy that Sidebar. Produce- why is a guy that produces a television show making jokes on Twitter in the first place? Like what's the deal with that? Like, why did it, why everybody got to make jokes on Twitter? Like it was actually on his podcast. That he was it was okay. actually, yeah. Okay. There, my point is that why everybody got to have a fucking podcast. Yeah. We barely make jokes on this podcast. Should we, should we show the solidarity to him or fear him? What's like, you know, what's the angle yeah. here for us with us uh, both being fellow he podcasters? He sucks. Yeah. yeah he on. fucked around. He found out it's all good. <laughs> Mark the Richardson of our times. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> uh, the review is pretty good. It's it essentially just kind of breaks down the the album, kind of the what the, the what it sounds like and what they're uh, kind of going for. Um, so I paraphrased a bit, uh, taking a few different pieces here and there. Would you uh, like chop them up, and then you're gonna say them like all at once? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very uh, very cool. book cool. Do some awesome blanche. <laughs> right um yeah, but here's a couple of cut-ups <laughs> oh boy okay so here's Probably the excerpt <laughs> here's the here's the excerpt that i pulled <clears throat> despite thought for food's unique sound the record on one level is not hard to pin down the musical elements are so simple and commonplace that describing them is not a problem 
What's difficult is conveying how these few everyday pieces are placed together so artfully to create something this striking and unique. Essentially, three different things go into nearly every book song. There's always a guitar, usually acoustic. There's usually a stringed instrument, either cello or violin or both. And there's always sampled vocal fragments. That's basically it. Sounds boring, you say? Think again. Somehow the books manage to turn these bigger components into something touching, quirky, and profound. Uh, uh, books. <laughs> bringing back that old chestnut. Uh, but yeah, I think that's pretty, you know, I mean, obviously the description of the sound is pretty apt, but it doesn't really, it's a very simple way of putting what they're doing, which is kind of the assemblage, as you're saying, Caleb, or the, uh, the cut up, you know, kind of uh, folktronica kind of stuff that was, you know, there's similar things going on at the time, but nothing exactly like this, I, I, I don't think. Uh <laughs> Yeah, which uh, is a good segue into what, what was their deal. Yeah, yeah. Adrian, you tackled it. I feel like you would know more than I do. I just, I put them up with like, like there was modest mouse or mod, not modest mouse, mott mouse, yeah. mouse on Mars, uh, negative land, like the tape cut up guys, but that scary, one, scary Halloween sounds. People that were <laughs> sampling field recordings. It's like a like a shitty, the shittiest DJ you've ever heard. <laughs> Like a boring ass DJ. It's like it sounds cooler than it actually sounds. It's like you like go to the library and you get like a Peter and the Wolf like uh, read along like you know tape. Yeah. And you put like, that on and then you you noodle a little bit. Like Mod Mouse ukulele. Mod Mouse had an album where it's like this guy plays like a violin bow on a rat cage, and it's like that sounds cool. But then when you listen to it, you're like, oh yeah, this sounds stupid. <laughs> Mod is pretty cool. I like Mod Mouse. Yeah, they, I think I think all that cool shit for Bjork and whatnot. I don't know. It's like ambition, ambitious. It's very yeah. art school. Yes. Yeah. It's very. It's very uh, collegiate almost, or like. I, it's like what are you we know, calling it? it? Yeah, it's a bunch of different things. I broadly just probably call it like yeah, experimental music. You know, like mm -hmm. there was buzz terms turned thrown around like plundertronics and fucking uh, what was the other one you just said folk folk folktronica. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, and I think there's like a lot of kind of bands doing it. Um, like you know, like you got your like four tets and your other like kind of <laughs> easily forgettable people i mean like even radiohead was kind of doing the whole like glitchy kind of house thing at some point glitch pop you know yeah i don't know yeah. it's, it, it, it's a weird thing to describe it's kind of like you just know when you hear it you know um but i don't know if it's necessarily like an intentional scene or anything like that yeah i think well i mean there wasn't really, a, I wouldn't say a scene per se, but there is certainly a type of sound that these guys, an approach to music and, and sampling that these guys, well, they took it to a kind of a different level just in terms of bringing more mundane things in, which mm -hmm. was kind of a thing going on at the time, I know. Um, like we're saying, Matt Most is definitely known for that. You know, they'd pour aspirin on a cymbal or whatever and then cut it up a million pieces and put it back together. And Or a dude would play the other dude's jacket with a contact right. mic yeah yeah 
exactly or there's like herbert or like the was kind of, uh... of music <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have like your trap set you just bring it out you're like oh what's this all, all have... apologies to matmos <laughs> all apologies a... to carrot top yeah <laughs> they didn't have uh... a drum set they had a joke chest yeah. that they <laughs> on stage. like what a but... delay pedal 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 <laughs> There was like, you know, there was like Herbert who was, you know, going coming from a more of a house angle, but doing stuff yeah. like, you know, taking surgical sounds or whatever to make uh, or or I think there was that oh, his yeah. record was around the house. Was that, was that was bodily like, functions? Was he that? dude? Yeah, bodily functions. The, well, the surgery yeah. one, too. Right? And then, um, yeah. And then around the house, which is just like, you know, everyday objects kind of thing. So per, per, kind of similar to what these guys are doing. But I think these guys take come from a different like yeah definitely more of an art school or like a like a grad school kind of thing like they're it's kind of a little bit more elevated in a way i'm not that sounds pretentious but it's just like it's their their approach is different than those other people i mean it's all trying to make you know quote-unquote pop music or whatever pop songs in a sense but it's just it's a different thing that the books are doing which is kind of more they don't make it as smooth and as seamless as those other guys were doing. You know, when you listen to Mamos, even though it's like weird, it still has kind of like the, you know, electronic music structure, same with Herbert mm-hmm. or whatever. And like mm-hmm. that's, there's some of that here, but it's a little bit more, you know, the, they don't, they don't, the cut up is much more obvious. Like it's kind of closer to what maybe something like the field would be doing later, even though that's kind of a little bit more microtonal and, yeah. but, you know, it, it where they're taking pieces have been like really just kind of chopping things up but um but yeah so there's like the this was kind of definitely the sound kind of existed of like acoustical you know acoustic instruments wind instruments uh, uh stringed instruments and mixing it with kind of sample stuff but it yeah it, it it's really started to take off i think probably around this time in the mid 2000s and i would imagine it's probably because the technology started getting super cheap yeah. you know they you know you could really start to afford like samplers and and you know and computers that you know software got so good and so cheap and so you know easy that you know it was you could have a, a crappy pc and still do this and make it sound good which is kind of what they're you know, their whole deal was, is, uh, you know, I, I was reading some of their, um, some stuff from their, an archive version of their website. And it just sounds like, yeah, they're just putting this stuff together on, you know, whatever crappy PC they had at the time and stuff like that. So um, they're kind of all a piece of that early 2000s, you know, the start of experimenting, experimenting with kind of bedroom electronic yeah. music sort of stuff. And it know? almost like kind of bedroom com- composition too, you know, mm-hmm. and then kind of later, you, kind of that art school thing you had like you know dan deacon kind of exploded and they don't sound similar but i think um the, the approach, microphones almost even at time. yeah yeah well it's kind of like how you make arrangements and things out of really subtle instrumentation and kind of incidental sounds and things like that you know yeah, and totally. um kind of weave that in together yeah it's kind of i don't know it's like maximalist minimalist almost right. you know um, right yeah was that group I don't know shit about this group. I've only heard a few songs and I got kind of exhausted. But Negative Books? Land, were they Negative Land? Were they like the pioneer? Because they were actually using no, real, real to real tape stuff, right? They well, were doing purely samples, I believe. I think it was all like just yeah, Negative and, Land. Yeah. I mean, they're an they're an early one. I think Art of Noise is another early one yeah. that was doing similar things for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, Negative Land. Get into that 
like you guys reminded me of a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Fortet, Herbert. Okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta dive into that a little bit. Even though I would say, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you need to. And it's very of its <laughs> time. It's like very, like you know, two thousand four. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of that stuff still holds up for me, just because it's it still sounds like the Fortet stuff, especially. It sounds still sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, some of it definitely sounds pretty dated. You know, some of the some of the stuff, for an example, sounded to me like a little bit like uh, Eamon Tobin, and yeah. his stuff. As much as I like it, it's definitely of it's like, oh, this sounds like it came out in 1999 or whatever, because this is the start totally. of what, when all this stuff was happening, right? Uh, 10.0 so, album though, you know. What was that 9/11 one? Disintegration. Uh, loops? Oh, this, oh, that's William Basinski. That's totally. That's different. a whole. That, yeah. Like, yeah, that's like new classical minimalist like yeah, orchestration and yeah, I don't know anything. I'm gonna let you guys. <laughs> that shit is that shit's podcast. great. You should listen to all six hours of that of that, of that box set. Yeah, I got watch the watch the accompanying um the the video too. I don't know if you ever watched. Yeah, that. shit's fucking pretty. Guys, I'm uh gorgeous. closing yeah. the book on this one. Or <laughs> oh no, laptop. <laughs> I always say. fear uh, just me and Adrian doing it's it. You guys, for don't make that. me be in the same room as this guy. Yeah, I'm talking about loop tapes. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, you go from negative land to like, like stick. It's kind of like that. Uh, what's that dude's name? Mozart. It's kind of like that. Where it's like, yeah. like sometimes we'll play like a violin, and then some like drums will come <laughs> in or something. <laughs> Uh, well, it's like hip hop, right? Sample. Why don't we uh, wishes? <laughs> why don't we move? Uh, then why don't we move just right along into uh, some of the album background? Yeah, for sure. I cool. need some education. Uh, clearly, <laughs> yeah. Next take chapter. me to the library, baby. Chapter two: the history. So no, this is like prelog, prologue, prelog, epilogue. There's no part two. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys. Uh, first got together around the year two, uh, 99, 2000. They got together originally because they lived in the same apartment building. And, uh, you know, one of them invited the other to dinner. I think DeJong invited um, Paul DeJong and Nick Zamudo are the two, uh, the duo. Um, I think Paul DeJong invited uh, Nick Zamudo over for dinner, showed Zamudo a bunch of like the stuff he had collected, which is like a bunch of found sound stuff, you know, audio and vid- video samples that he had just uh, collected over the years and they connected over kind of a shared appreciation and approach to the music. Uh, that has the same energy as like that scene in um, American Beauty where Wes Bentley or whatever. It's like, you want to see my weird videos? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds very much like two, the year 2000 men, in yeah. Manhattan, whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. The Zamuda yeah, film. Like... As it was yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like random. I was like, just we were getting getting towards the age of randomness. <laughs> so, so, so they got together and they started, you know, experimenting and passing stuff back and forth. And so the record itself was recorded from 2000 through 2002 at a variety of apartments and home studios um, in New York City, Los Angeles, and Boston. Um, and then ultimately, the I think was one of the final ones was a basement of a hostel in North Carolina, where Zamudo he was uh, working um, after hiking the Appalachian Trail. So th- they were doing a lot of like mailing you know, CDs back and forth, you know, showing each other ideas over email and stuff like that. And um, it was all self-produced by them. It was, uh, you know, 
mostly done in, in bed, their bedrooms, but kind of thing. But uh, they did manage to do some recording sessions together a few times. So it's kind of a mix of all that together, but it's definitely the work of uh, these two guys. It was originally released by uh, the, uh, sorry, the record was originally released by German record label Tom Lab, um, who I'm not terribly familiar with, but they have like Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone, Deer Hoof, the OCs. I saw, I saw him once in a in we'll an do attic. All those. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I don't we'll think we're gonna get around those. to Cassio Tone. I don't know if that dude ever got hit hey, the numbers. Memphis, that cover of uh, the Graceland song, that's good. I saw him in a in an attic show once. I don't know. I was very, I I I was like very drunk and he was very boring. I think that album holds up the first one. We'll yeah, I, have, I can't honestly say I haven't returned to that stuff in 12, 15 years. The name um, alone exhausted me. Well, yes, it's alone <laughs> in, the, in the name. Um, but anyways, the, the album was released on June 3rd, 2002, and it is their debut. They recorded uh, most of it at the at home as i mentioned but i don't think they had really thought about putting it together as a record until um tom staniel of tom lab pushed them to do that he was uh very instrumental in saying like you guys sound you know this is this is really interesting really cool music you guys should put something together so um that's when thought for food was sort of conceptualized and, and they started putting these songs uh together but it kind of introduces their their characteristic sound uh, which would be a mix of, you know, kind of the acoustic instrumentation as we're talking about the guitar, the the violin, the viola with sort of, uh, you know, very mundane and, and, and also a few instrumental samples as well. You know, some kind of more, you know, music from other countries, you know, other cultures uh, gets mi- in, dropped into the mix here as long, along with like, you know, bits of conversation, you know, uh, re-recorded dialogue from movies, uh you know, there's what seems like, you know, interviews or like, uh, you know, also there's like moments where someone's like just recording a party or recording like someone's show or something. So there's, there's also there's all kinds of weird little tidbits, you know, that they've just collected over the years from, you know, friends and family, you know, as well as just outside sources. But I have a, a quote here from uh, the books themselves, from their an archive of their website where they're talking about uh, kind of the process and how they, they collect this stuff. So I forget which one said this, but here we go. We do all our own sample collecting, composing, writing, recording, mixing, and mastering in our home studios using PCs, running cheap software, and the ragtag equipment that we've pieced together over the years. We hear on our records exactly how it left our hands, with no producer, engineers, or sweetening in between. We're completely independent, beholden to no corporations, and we have funded all of our music entirely ourselves which i you know i would say is pretty respectable they they also made a little wow. note they also made a little note on the site saying like you know a little, it, little note in the margin <laughs> footnote, if you will yeah uh yeah it is kind of a footnote but they basically say like hey we you know this is our business this is you know we, we don't really make a lot of money off this but we do this as a is a passion thing and so, so please please buy our records you know don't don't uh don't download them illegally or whatever you know this was all back in 2004 2005 when that was really a big you know kind of a talking point and a big issue in terms of supporting artists yeah. and you know i you know i completely agree with them because you know they may have gotten tons of acclaim but that doesn't necessarily mean they're you know rich or whatever or they just suddenly have a lot of money 
Um, you sound you know, like a foot Danish man right now. <laughs> well, I just think like, you know, you what know. I'm talking about, <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> well, you know, maybe Lars was right on this one. <laughs> maybe not his, uh, his overall belief, but I think the idea of paying, <laughs> paying artists is something that, you know, especially now too, has, yeah, totally. has continued to be a huge issue. And then because people, yeah, Adrian, we get it. Lars from Metallica was right. <laughs> <laughs> you side with Lars, Team Lars. Team Lars, all right. But anyways, uh we'll talk about this... Lars in a minute. Yeah, it's been a I while. Felt good. You fuck. Yeah, he was a little uh <laughs> no, nowhere it came to mind was I hate to bring this up, but somebody posted uh Jim Brewer's because you know Jim Brewer's like a weird right winger now. Yeah. Somebody posted his impression of uh, Lars, and it's pretty good, <laughs> but it's so dumb. <laughs> like, Brewer, dude, he got yeah. caught up in the Rogus Rogan sphere. <laughs> yeah, whoo, goat boy, falling some hard times. I know. Hey, I continue. I'm so bummed that I can't enjoy goat boy anymore. Um, the, uh, so just to wrap things up here, cause there wasn't really too much background info to be honest with you. And he kind of, uh, actually Richardson kind of t- covers that in the beginning of his review where he's like, there's really not that much stuff out there about these guys, but, uh, the album, it's, uh, aside from, from the, the primary duo who are, you know, recording all the samples and playing a few of the instruments, they did have a couple of guests. Uh, one is, and one of their friends, Ann Dorner, who plays fiddle and sings harmony vocals on Getting the Done Job. Um, and Mikey Zamuto, who is Nick Zamuto's little brother, he plays bass on the titular Mikey Bass. And I, you know, he does a pretty good job there and they cut it up pretty nicely. Uh, but the album was released to critical acclaim with you know a bunch of outlets praising it, pitchfork, uh, spin, tiny mixtapes, you know, stylus, all of the all of the kind of known indie periodicals and uh, websites of the time had a lot of effusive praise for it, but it landed on Pitchfork's best of 2000 list at number four and 125th on their 200 best of the 2000s, which, you know, number four on the 2002 list. That's a pretty good showing. That was Um, shocking to me. That seems high as shit. I don't know. (laughs) I didn't look at the list. I'm trying to think what was 2002 on the top 10. Like yeah, that's ahead, a good came question. Out album that year, right? Wasn't that number one? It was like amnesia. I think that was the year before, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 2001. I bet uh, you it's a bunch of this type of glitchy kind of loopy, bleepy, bloopy, stringy, <laughs> strummy, simple no, stuff. I can tell you. Okay, so do you guys want to try to guess the the top three that are before this one? Yeah, it's the, there. There's one that we've covered. There's one that we will, or there's and there's two oh, others that we will moon definitely. Moon in Antarctica cover. is number one. No, that's 2001. 2002. Oh, this shit. is 2002. 2002. I don't even. I'm so bad at what comes out in one year. I'm drawing. Well, I will say that one of them is a 10.0 album that we that we did. Oh, Trail of the Dead. Trail of the Dead comes in at three. Nice. Can you guys guess the other two? 2002 is it Sigur Rose? Is that 2002? No, no, yeah, fuck. I can't think of any 2002 albums right now. There's one big one that we will definitely have to cover at some point. Um, it's a band that we've all seen, I believe. Um, and then the other one is a band that we've mentioned quite a bit, 
on this podcast that we haven't covered yet. Just give it to us. Is it St. Anger? Metallica? <laughs> yes. <laughs> number one. No, number two is Wilco. Oh, uh, Fox I always think that's 2001 because it got like held for a year. Or whatever. Did it get held? Right. I thought it was 2001. Yeah. It will. It, it was official, weird. Like they, they released yeah. it on the internet in 2001, but it didn't get like actually dropped in 2000. It was a whole thing. Um, but it. it's on their 2002 list. And we'll then the other one is Interpol. Oh. Turn on the bright lights. Turn it's on up the bright to you now. Turn on your bright lights. Um. So you know, coming number four <laughs> hey, Jack, after you turn down ones? that uh that Interpol album that's you're blaring. All right, guys, <laughs> I'm closing the book on this one, or as it were, my laptop. Good night. <laughs> Start charging you late fees. <laughs> um. So yeah, right. that you know. I don't know if it it's quite in that echelon of those other records because those other records are pretty darn good, but um, it they did come in number four behind them on the picture. Gonna have list. to save both of those, Wilco and Interpol, for next year because we'll definitely do the. Uh, yeah, you want to do the twenty 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 years? Year. My God, how old yeah. am I? <laughs> how old are they? <laughs> oh boy, Interpol's the best guy in Interpol. Yeah, they were making us. <laughs> That sounds, sounds like music 12-year-olds make. <laughs> oh, that one's good, I think. I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah, we'll we'll find out. Huh? Well, it's probably it holds up. But yeah, so that's up. what that's all I got. Uh, oh, the other, the other little tip that I got is that's been placed at 285 on their 300 best of the th- past 30 years list. So Pitchfork isn't the only one putting, putting them on their list. Nice. Great. Thank you so much, Adrian, for that bi- bibliography. Is that a bib? Yes. The sure. glossary in a matter in of speak in the header footer. Like I said, I had a tough time with this uh, album because I, I don't read. I'm not into books. I'm not into <laughs> the books. I don't know how to read. Just yeah, it's not for me. Not for me. All right. You never read. Never no. Never read. <laughs> I get uh, I get all these. I dictate all these notes, and then Jen dictates them back to me. You and in, an ear, in, a, in an ear piece. Never read a book. I do. I, what do you What do you think the last book Dream Brewer read was? <laughs> oh probably, God. Probably like the uh, rules to being on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's probably uh like Some terms. Do- triggered by Donald Trump Jr. or something <laughs> like that, or some right. like weird Scientologist like self help libertarian shit. What's the next chapter as we turn the page? <laughs> when you hear this, when you hear this sound, bing, turn your page. That's on tape. Looking at you, buddy. Popcorn, Caleb. What's the next? All right, moving on to the <laughs> history section of the library. Remember that popcorn. Popcorn reading. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we are going to move on to the history section of the library. Which uh, put this on the f- uh, first, uh, would that be the uh, south wing, north wing of the library, Santa Maria? Downstairs, upstairs. Anyways. History, I think, was upstairs. Upstairs, I believe. <laughs> upstairs in the adult section, of course. But not take that, that elevator, not that dude. Have a little section. fun. Take the elevator. <laughs> no, no. The elevators are cool, but you can also take the stairs and then they have that cool aerial map of Santa Maria. Of Santa Maria. Those stairs were cool. Map. 
They are stairs cool rolled. indoor school because you it, they're like outside stairs, but inside, like it's weird. Yeah, good design, <laughs> good good lighting in there, good airflow. It was always anyways. Nice. Caleb, history. Moving on up. Now we will go to the subsection of personal histories, and I will popcorn this to librarian Adrian. Yeah, I think I would say probably of the three of us, I probably have the most history here. I'm imagining. So I don't know about you guys, but in my memory, because I was trying to think back about this on this. And uh, in my memory, this record, I first heard it probably a couple of years after it was released. Most likely heard about it through Pitchfork, maybe looking at the, the 2002 list, trying to find, you know, new stuff to listen to or whatever. Um, but I read the description or the blurb and thought like, oh, this is this sounds cool. Like, you know, it's everything I'm interested in at this time, you know, around here, around this time, I was getting more into experimental music, ambient music, you know, noise music, stuff like that. So this was kind of right in line with those interests. You know, we've mentioned a few of the bands that I was getting into at the time, whether it was, you know, Matt Mose or Herbert or even Animal Collective, really uh, some of that stuff at the mid 2000s for sure. Don't um, remind me. <laughs> um, you know, and so <clears throat> I downloaded the record and I was, and it, it did captivate me, you know, even though it was kind of a, you know, quote unquote difficult listen, just compared to like some of the other stuff that I, some of those other bands, um, it was just a little bit more cerebral for sure. But I liked it. I liked the approach to the music. I thought it was interesting to incorporate the mundane samples into like the sound collages. It reminded me a little bit of Godspeed, you Black Emperor, who I was a big fan of at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, who would do that kind of stuff where they would drop in, you know, uh, a, a found or, you know, oh. sampled uh, speeches, sampled uh, bits of conversation. People um, that have no singer or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, you know, just the way that the, these the, the, they were using the <laughs> using the human voice to kind of hit these uh, conceptual and emotional notes in these songs, you know, and to like recontextualize of, things too. I think that was more yeah. of like Godspeed's thing to make it sound more like aligned with their kind of ap- apocalyptic vibe and you know politics and whatnot. Yes, definitely. And I think the books were doing that kind of as well, but not quite as in a not as a not as dark and not as political as as yeah. Godspeed definitely, but they're definitely using the context of you know their songs and to mix it up with these uh this these you know these sampled uh conversations, these sampled bits of human voice. But I you know I also was really I, I liked the 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 acoustic instruments too. I thought like the guitar work was excellent. What's and it was interesting to me because of the way that it was like it is, you know, recorded guitar, but there's times where there's kind of weird little chopped up bits or they're kind of, you know, doing some glitchy type stuff with it. Uh, not quite glitchy, but sort of, you know, doing little bits and taking little bits and pieces here and there and putting them together again in a really subtle way to make it kind of unique so that it's not exactly how a person would play it, but it's not exactly, you know, digital completely either. It's kind of in between which it's, I think a lot of this record is kind of that in-between space between, you know, like sort of being nostalgic and yes, liminal. So it's kind of being nostalgic and knowing, but also it's kind of weird and off kilter and throws you off a bit just because it's not exactly right. But this, you know, this record for me, it became 
kind of a, a pretty regular listen in my iPod era back then. You know, I, I also had a few friends, a few mutual friends of ours who uh, were into them. Um, one in particular, you know, old Johnny G. Uh, he put it on when we were be listening to uh, or getting high at his apartment or whatever. And, uh, you know, that was it was definitely you guys must have listened to it a lot. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, you know, it was it's interesting because thinking back on it now, it's like it's not exactly the kind of record you want to put on necessarily to chill, but we would do want to put on full stop. <laughs> uh, counselor, if I could have a sidebar, what? The book, would you have had this, you know, accompanied with you? Like you're listening to this in your iPod. What the book would you have? Oh, wow. I mean, at this time, I was actually reading a lot because uh, working at the gas station afforded me quite a bit of time. I don't know. That's a good question. Around this time, I was probably reading like gasoline monthly right <laughs> yeah the i was probably reading like the wall street journal and uh newsweek because that yeah. was what was in texaco the <laughs> texaco reader weekly <laughs> for all the employees the old orchid dispatch <laughs> no i think actually this is when i was getting into like philip roth and like uh uh-huh. postmodern Ooh. stuff and shit like that so doing a lot of jerking off and a lot of reading books okay <laughs> i got you um, but yeah, that's kind of my history of it at that time. You know, I was a fan. I didn't really, st- I, I was stuck with them through like the next record. And then I kind of tuned out, um, you know, through the Lemon of Pink is the, this their second record. But yeah, that, I was a pretty decent fan of theirs at that time. And they would, it would, wouldn't be unusual to hear me listening to them. Nice. Nice. Who do you uh, popcorn it to? Yeah, let's popcorn this over to you, Caleb. Caleb. Okay. Yeah. So my history with this is not much of one, as is the case more and more, I'm realizing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, re- I remember being kind of them being like a, evo- you know, uh, kind of an intriguing band and, you know, kind of starting with their name, you know, you hear like the books and you're like, well, well, this is a band. This is music, not book. Who need book? But I was like, <laughs> um, so I thought the books is like kind of like, I don't know clever because it's like super vague and mundane you know and a different medium you know so i was like that's kind of cool and then um noah played them once um for me at a burn cd it was a very not, not a great setting for them to play and um, an apartment that was kind of much my... like adrian's story <laughs> yeah yeah totally we were yeah yeah we were and hide in an apartment um but it was just a really weird vibe and noah's like i got the perfect music for this and i remember before we were leaving <laughs> noah was like i got the perfect thing for this little endeavor he <laughs> went and grabbed i think it was either this one or the might have been lemon of pink or was it I think they were both on the same cd lost it lost so this guy's yeah, this pro- it could have been any of those because this probably was 2006 2005 or something so it was like it was a lost and safe the other one yeah and it it could have been then he's like he's like i got just the thing for this little machine of ours (laughs) and he like went and grabbed it off the spindle like put it like just straight raw into his like a little hoodie just this like the burn cd (laughs) (laughs) so we listened to it that's my first like i had heard them but they were hoodie cds dude i forgot Yeah, hoodie cds (laughs) (laughs) only 90s kids know and i can't even like 
Yeah, I can't even remember if it was this particular album, to be completely honest. And I and I don't like I'd heard of the band and I like, but I was they're kind of like way over my head because I was like, I don't know, I just thought they were this like kind of yeah, like collegiate kind of stuff. And then I remember listening to it and just like the mood we were going for, just how like glitchy and like kind of subdued it was and like the samples and like it didn't register me to me as regular music you know i thought it was like i had i got this sense memory of them that they were just all samples and collage and like the whole cut up thing and that's how they kind of created their music i didn't even know they kind of did the acoustic electronic thing so yeah i listened to that one time then i was like yeah it seemed like kind of a little too out there for me even though it was like you know trying to get into experimental music and like drone and and noise and what have you but you know albeit a pretty basic entry level for that kind of stuff yeah so it seems like a little too i don't know yeah not for me too out there it's like a little bit too high concept you know it would have been the adult section for me my personal library and so yeah like i didn't really relate to them as a band band you know i just thought they're kind of like an experimental unit yeah which i didn't have much patience for back then and I kind of remember, and I, but I also kind of remember that they kind of was part of this kind of glitchy, heady thing that was happening. So, like, to some extent, like, like, um, like Perfuse '73 and like the Notwist, yeah. and and but then yes. like yeah. on the cringier end of that shit, like Clouded, like I think we're like <laughs> oh, affiliated boy. with Anticon uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. What, but you know what I mean. It's like they anti-con like in that. general too had that yeah, glitchy. Yeah, like anti-pop consortium like had that glitchy, glitchy kind of off-putting, yeah. <laughs> like painfully white music. I don't know. And then also, I lumped them into a band I still to this day like have probably heard, but don't have any sort of sense of. But uh, BOC, that's right, Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> um, no, BOC has in Boards of Canada. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I, mm. I kind of like put them all into that broader experimental, whatever, yeah. kind of high getting high, Getting high in an apartment music. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. With like a dude from college kind of thing. So it wasn't college rock, but college experimental. I don't even know. But polyrhythmic, um, polyrhythmic uh, socioeconomic uh, analyzation. Of, socioeconomic uh, music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, so then I kind of just put him in that, uh, put him in that book, closed that book, put it back on my shelf in, the, in my memory palace, and then just walked away from it forever up until two weeks ago when we got assigned this. Like, oh, we got a, this assigned reading. Yeah. It's very, yeah, polyrhythmic, poly sci major. <laughs> polyamorous too probably oh yeah they're in love with the glitch they're in love with multiple genre embrace the glitch place <laughs> the embrace the new glitch um <laughs> all right you old son of a glitch noah popcorn this over to you Don't be shy. i i think i might have the richest history here with this band uh the mm. books because I think it would have been around 2003 or four. My older brother, Zachary was into a lot of this stuff. All those bands you mentioned, Caleb boards of Canada. And it was all, he had the the case logic with like a fucking million burn CDs yeah. in there. And so it was like, yeah. 
anything that Pitchfork reviewed, like he would have it between him and his friends. Whether he it'd be like it. DJ Shadow introducing, and then be like, yeah, all Jackie the, O, motherfucker. And any like, noise? <laughs> can name ban these things? Oh boy. Ooh. Any any experimental band whatsoever, he had it basically. And so he showed, he's like, yeah, the books, check it out. And so I had on a burned CD, like Caleb was saying, and I often I would tuck it into my hoodie. And uh, but I had uh, Thought for Food and Lemon of Pink on the same CD. And I also had the other one, Caleb, that you mentioned, Lost, Safe and Lost, or Lost, safe lost and Safe. Yeah. And this was like at the time I was dropped out of college. I was a little meandering in my life, feeling a little lost. So this was walking around music for this me. This counted as going to college. This counted <laughs> yeah. as going back to school. Counted as reading <laughs> um, the books. Yeah, this is actually a graduate symposium in a compact disc. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would walk around town santa maria you know to to my work to the library to various apartments getting high and this was often the soundtrack thought for food and i don't know i think i just didn't know i mean i can't say i didn't like it i liked it at the time but i think being younger like the idea of experimental music was like whoa this is kind of a new world like but it was before I got really into like jazz and stuff, which is like, okay, that's what I want my, I want the tone of it to be more rich than this is. I don't want digital hiss. Like I I don't really care for that. I think that's what was off putting it for me too. Cause I thought of experimental and thought it would like, it'd be this lush soundscapey thing. That's like just kind of weird. This is like, there's a lot of empty space and a lot of like, yeah, um, yeah. Subtlety to it. So, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, it, for like a 19 or like 20, 21 year old or no, I think, yeah, 18, 19, 20, around there. A couple of years I, I would listen to this and it was like, it, it meant a lot to me where it was like, oh, this is like expanding the, the uh, you know, looks music can be a bunch of stuff, like the whole field recording stuff that was like appealing to me like it felt smart but like funny at the same time kind of like a knowing sense like it was poking you know almost fun at music itself where it's like we we're i'm a talented celloist but but i'm also gonna sample this you know lady telling a story about whatever somebody coming into her door asking for money Uh, i don't know I, i thought the texture was rich at the time and that appealed to me. And Caleb, you're talking about like the books I was reading at the time. I was reading Burroughs, like cut up stuff, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was like, you know, I'd probably be at the library studying like Dada and things like that, like collage art. I always liked, I always loved collage stuff. I mean, that's why I like hip hop. So like me, and that's also the same. I was getting really into like sample Delia. And I felt like, oh, this is like a different version of sample Delia. But, you know, creating your own samples with field recordings, that that was uh, inspiring to me, I guess, when I was younger. But then, like a lot of this stuff, the CD stayed in my hoodie and I hung up the hoodie in my the back of my closet, never to return. It's in the case logic in the sky. 
<laughs> Another likely story would have been like, my ex-girlfriend borrowed my hoodie and I never got it back. And that CD yeah. was in it. But definitely I would be, this would be on my headphones and I'd be like reading a book at the library for sure. And then you get all distracted because they start talking. You're like, God damn <laughs> I'm like, now, now I gotta like go back. I changed the I gotta go back to that page. I'm like shushing people. And they're like, what? <laughs> I didn't say anything. I was like, oh shit, no, my that's my headphones. I turned down like, your headphones. Libraries are for everyone. Libraries are for everyone, sir. Yeah. I thought this album was cool, I guess. But then yeah, I, I also like, I, I'm cool to be into this. Yeah. And I listened to Mott Mouse, stuff like that. But then um yeah, I was also just at this this same time I was getting into more experimental stuff, jazz or Brian Eno, more ambience, like stuff that maybe had a little more warm warmth to it. Yeah, so it yeah. kind of like supplanted all this, supplanted all this, usurped it. Oh, yeah, some ten dollar words here. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, man. I'm trying to be Damn, dude. after all. I am <laughs> the book warm. Yeah. <laughs> Boing. All right, let's take a break. Book Williams gotta drain the William if you know check out. I mean. <laughs> oh yeah, guys, I'm closing the book on this one. In this case, it's my laptop. Good night. And we're back. Um, back in the library. So let's see. Let's talk about. Let's go to the uh, current affairs section of the library. And let's talk micro about fish. I want to get one of them newspapers. I want to get one of them with newspapers. The little the dowels that go through them. Yeah. <laughs> a newspaper dowel. Yeah, dude. Classic. It's like a cane right. with a newspaper hanging on it. Yep. Um, did somebody rack those up every day? Ones? Can you imagine that? Like every morning, somebody that works for the library is like popping in at 6 a.m. Rack up these <laughs> this Newsweek. Or... Oh, man. They have some good back issues too. <laughs> Anyways, let's go to current affairs section here. And Noah, you were the last person to go, so you popcorn it over to somebody. Oh, current history. Let's go. Well, Adrian, what do you what do you think about the books? The books. <laughs> yeah, read a book much. <laughs> well, as someone who's actually bound a book and made a book. I love books the, and these books. I don't know. I was very, I was hesitant because I knew that this was going to be an interesting listen one way or the other. I was worried that it might sound a little dated or overwrought in, in hindsight or super pretentious, but it's really not that. Uh, and it's interesting that you guys were talking about how like there's more space on this record. I think Caleb, you mentioned that, that there's kind of space. Cause I think that's one of the things that on these listens that are really stood out to me and that I liked uh, was that there's space for this stuff to kind of exist in these songs. Like there's space between the instrument instruments, there's space between the samples in a way, even though it's at times becomes very much, you know, it can become overwhelming in terms of just the way they're stacking things. I think that there is enough space to where these things have a little room to breathe and, and work with each other. So it doesn't become kind of a, it's easy. It's very easy for this kind of music to become like a, a soup, like just a fucking just dense, you know, just impenetrable, but everything kind of lives on its own. You, you can definitely kind of pick out the different things that are going on, whether it's, you know, a vocal samples 
snatched from somewhere, you know, you know, from so someone's rant mixed with, you know, the pinging of a guitar, you know, over, uh, you know, a, a really simple riff or whatever. Um, all of it kind of lives on its own space and, and flows from, you know, the start to the beginning in its own way. But, uh, you know, it, it can become, it, it, for me, it never becomes too overwhelming, but it can it, it does become sort of intense at times, but I think the, the best kind of the best places on this, the best pieces on this record. Cause there's just really, as much as these are songs, it's more like a bunch of little pieces put together, a lot of little, you know, let's say sweets put together into these songs. So there's always, you know, the kind of Sampadelia kind of stuff, but then there's like stuff where it opens up a bit and it becomes more like almost post-rock, almost, you know, kind of ambient-esque. You know, there's bits here that sound, you know, like stuff that I like, like Tim Hacker or whatever, or... <clears throat> or like you're saying, you mentioned Eno before Noah, there's, there's bits and pieces here that sound like that. And I think that those are, that's kind of the stuff that I was drawn to on these listens, just because that's stuff that I'm more interested in these days and, and that I have a deeper appreciation for now. Um, but I, I don't know. I like, yeah, the production really helps it, you know, helps it keep it uh, from feeling too overwhelming, but it also, I think another aspect that, helps that is that all the songs are relatively short so like even if there's a bit or a piece that you're like i'm not really vibing with this it's not really like i think the longest song is five minutes and it barely cracks five minutes then most of them are about two or three minutes and i think that's kind of the perfect amount of time because you don't get like there's a lot of ideas going into these things but you don't get you can kind of wrap your head around them if it's like in in a two or three minute little thing here um and so and also like the more i listen to it the more i could kind of get into the rhythms and the flow of the record because it's very idiosyncratic the way that they're kind of chopping and and shifting and obscuring things is really it's it's interesting because i i mentioned a little bit earlier but they they keep it familiar enough that you you have something to hold on to but they tweak it enough to where it feels off kilter in an almost unconscious way. So that when you're listening to it, it does kind of throw you off a little bit. But I found that the more I listened to it, the more I could get into the the unique kind of rhythms of it. And I could kind of get wrap my head around that aspect of it. And it actually made it more enjoyable for me because it is not really a very long record at all. I mean, 38 minutes through 39 minutes, like that's the same that's- length as our last week's episode. Yeah, so like <laughs> who you know. would better you better work. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's an interesting record and I I really enjoyed the these listens and I don't know if I'll return to it a lot as a whole piece cuz it is kind of a lot uh even though it is so short for like a ca- let's say a casual listen. But there, there are songs here where I'm like, if this was dropped in a playlist of other stuff that I'm listening to that's similar, you know, whether it's ambient stuff or, you know, electronic stuff mixed in with the Matmos or whatever in the, you know, these other things, then I think that it could work really well. But yeah, you know, I, 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 I like these listens. These listens reveal a lot of nice little details that I, that I didn't really glom onto before. But yeah, overall, I think, I don't know. 
I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'll ever return to it as, as a piece as much as I once did, but, but yeah, this, this, this is kind of a nice reminder to kind of bring some of these things back into the rotation because there is a lot of good, interesting music here. It's just, there's, there's a lot of other stuff going on too, that they kind of make it not a chore, but make it, it's more of an active listen than your average record. You know, it's more, it's, it's more brain than body. So it's definitely not as easy as some of the other stuff we've listened to, or even, you know, like last week, for instance, um, but yeah, that's kind of where I stand with it. Nice. All right. Okay. So popcorn. Popcorn. I'm gonna throw it right back to you now. Oh, santé. <laughs> <laughs> this Adrian, I think you said the same thing in your notes when we were talking about this album. How <laughs> I was kind of like dreading listening to it. Like it, I just like full disclosure. I only listened to this album like three times before the podcast. I usually like to listen to an album like 10 times before we record, but this album is like, when do I want to, li- I was never in the mood for this. And I started well, we got this podcast, it, baby. Yeah. I started it a couple times, like walking around, like how I listened to it back in the day on my disc man, walking around Santa Maria. I was like, oh, okay, I'll like go for a walk and listen to this. And every time I just like so many like false starts where I was just like, ah, like it's like exhausting to me. Like it seemed silly. And I don't think they're trying to be all that profound. I think they are making in a lot of ways silly music, but like they just so happen to play like cello and kind of I don't know, like some of the music instrumentationally wise it it seems very focused and direct and i just think the whole sampling of the vocals never really works it just throws the whole album off this album's so uneven and off kilter it it's at war with itself anytime like i have like three or four kind of slappers on this album and the other songs i kind of don't enjoy at all where I'm just like, oh, this is annoying. I think it's just such a product of its time. Like, I think we're the only people in the world right now that have listened <laughs> to the books in the last 10 years, let alone are talking about it. Like, this is a forgettable band and for good reason. Like, it's just like, it's it's false profundity. It's but I, but maybe they aren't even trying to be profound. Maybe they're coming from a more punk rock angle where it's like music can be whatever you want it to be. And they're doing the whole self-release thing. And, you know, they're their own producer. You know, they I respect that. But it's just it's just unpleasant and <laughs> not the whole thing is not unpleasant. Just in spots. It's so so dumb. And it's like flats and scrugs meets aphex twin which is like why <laughs> who fucking cares who wants that like you know it's like <laughs> i don't know i don't want to be too harsh because overall you don't want to throw the book at them yeah <laughs> i mean am i under oath overall <laughs> I, are we uh, mixing <laughs> like literary and law it's <laughs> the john grisham thing, <laughs> thing burrowed in early <laughs> uh, 
But I don't know. I do. I am always intrigued with collage and collage art and music and film, you know, montage and stuff like that. You know, that is kind of my thing. I like, I usually like that process and I like, I like it as a process, even if you don't like the final product, just like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But this, this is tedious. This is tedium. Indie tedium. Indie tedium. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, current reaction. I'll never listen to this again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm returning this book to the library. <laughs> Yeah, Proper, but I, I did promptly. feel the nostalgia because this was all like I remembered every minute of this, all the vocals and the, like all the samples of the vocals and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, man, because I listened to it a lot. But it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, this sounds profound to like a 19 year old that doesn't know nothing. But now it's just eh, whatever. Well, you touch on something interesting because I don't think. <clears throat> I don't know if they went into it thinking like I'm going to make this profound statement about, you know, taking the mundane mundane aspects of everyday life and elevating them to art. I don't know if they were thinking of it on that level. Maybe they were. I think they were just think, like dicking around in, yeah, in like yeah. a, in like a fun way. Right. Kind of like, you know, thoughtful way. And I think that the kind of the more pretension and that stuff comes from like, pitchfork praising it and other outlets praising it for that reason but i don't think that it's necessarily in the record itself like when you listen to it yeah it's actually much more down to earth in a way um than Mm -hmm. than and i I think that's why we all kind of came in or at least me and no we'll get to yours caleb in a second but i think that's why we kind of were like oh we're hesitating on this record because we kind of had that idea of it just in you know in our memories of of it but i think you're right i think and especially, yes, when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, like stuff like this, especially if you're not really, you know, you never like say, listen to the United States of America or you never listen to like Harry Parch or stuff like that, then this stuff will seem like profound and important and, and interesting. But it's just a part of another of a long lineage of stuff that's similar. And I think yeah. that, you know, that you don't want to overblow it too much because then he kind of you know, colors the record negatively, but let's hear what you have to say, Caleb. No, but that's a great point, Adrian. I, I think it is me reacting. My current reaction is a reaction to my history where I bought into the hype machine, where I bought Mm. into the pitchfork. There it is folks. Fluffing this up as a A profound statement. statement. It, it, It is just people recording their friends and then looping it on a laptop, just having a goof you know but um but uh, books I mean, are I, serious things yeah but i mean i love cello like as an instrument so like you know i don't want to shit on it i think the guy's a good cello player you know yeah they're great players yeah. you know whether it's the guitar or the cello or the the viola or the violin or whatever they're playing it all yeah. sounds really good it's all recorded very well considering you know there are as he said they're using the cheapest stuff and into a cheap you know, desktop or whatever. Popcorn. Caleb. Okay. This book. I liked this album. I thought this album was very good. <laughs> Here are the reasons why I like this album. Reason number one. It's a good album. It has nice sounds. Reason number two. 
the samples are are random they're like don't have anything to do with the songs and i think that is interesting reason number in conclusion no uh <laughs> nice a plus on the book report yeah. Yeah. caleb i was hoping somebody would do that bit i didn't have the energy i'm glad you did yeah. too worn out from listening to the record yeah totally um yeah i i kind of had the same uh kind of like preparation as y'all did like where it's like kind of like low level dread of being like oh yeah this is kind of gonna kind of be a chore and out of all the albums we've done so far we've done some like exhausting very stuck in their era kind of albums but we've never done anything that was kind of more this i don't know what we saw as like academic and kind of out there and i don't know like really skirting the lines of like indie rock or whatever you know and because i had had remembered that it was i thought it was just like all samples and it was all chopped up and stuff and like not really not not music but like you know just like yeah like an assemblage of a bunch of different ideas and things i was like looking forward to just like said like some fucking broccoli you know what i mean but it totally wasn't that like you know i kind of just that, that I would that that was quickly dispelled from when I started to listen. But you know, when like I first started to listen, I was just like, oh boy, like this is this is barely there. This is like messy and kind of disjointed, and I, it, it's a lot to do right now. It's kind of kind of a stinker, and I just like I really don't get it. You know, I don't understand um, why you know this had to be done, and and then like why I had so much hype around it. You know. Yeah, it's kind of like the random samples. I'm like, eh, I'm not like, I don't know, just like it just to use like the stock sounds and like the from like industrials and like just random things. It's like, you know, we're I'm a product of hip hop and like fucking hardcore and metal. And it's like you use something that's like fits the song too well. You know, it's like if it's a song about drugs, use a sample about drugs. If it's something about something fighting, you use like you use a tough guy sample. You know what I mean? So and then just to hear like the more mundane samples, I was just like, okay, that's I don't know. Like I don't know what they're trying to say with that. Um and it kind of takes you out of it and it's a lot to process because it's adds to that disjointed nature of it. Um but I will say like musically it like grew on me you know i i was able to like it's a short album like y'all were saying so i was able to get it in a number of times um kind of like through naps and walking around and at work and stuff like that so i was able to like give it give it you know a good good amount of time sit down with it enough and i have to say like musically it, it grew on me i kind of related to it as it's like a you know, just using the acoustic. I'm a big, I like acoustic guitars, you know, um, I like finger picking. I think all that stuff has its place. And so it's has like a nostalgic kind of folksy Americana um, bent to it. And which was surprising because I thought it would just be like kind of just bloopy and bleepy and just kind of like d- dicking around. And at first I thought it sounded stringy, a little it's stringy, strummy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I th- but at first I thought it was like kind of, um, like a little like wanky and a little showy, you know, and kind of reminded me of a, I don't know why, but remember that band of fucking karate or whatever, where it's just yeah. like that kind of indie where it was just all like dooly dooly, like in their own kind of like pensive way, you know? 
and, and then, but over time I was like, oh, okay, I, I kind of see what they're doing. They're like using these as like foundational pieces and then they're kind of layering it and they're competent enough players. So then, yeah, it kind of started to sound more like that kind of experimental Americana stuff, you know, that we've kind of touched on a little bit with like Califone, a little bit of like kind of earlier Akron family, um, bread, red meat, of course, you know, a little, even a little bit of, you know, like more palatable animal collectives i kind of heard it in that vein um and then that was enjoyable and then the samples would come in and still take me out of it and just still didn't know if they were needed but in terms of a profundity layer i think you do need them if not it's just kind of this faint like you know experimental acoustic album and i think like the those samples differentiate it from it and kind of make it a, make it somewhat interesting, but just not to me, you know, I think it's still a little bit too concerned with itself and like concerned with being kind of out there, you know, but doesn't really have much of a purpose. Um, and I find, I kind of have to disagree with you about the cello. I find I like the cello, but I find in the context of used in like, indie rock or whatever it's just kind of a cheap way to sound layered and profound and like emotional you know because it's like such a commanding instrument because it's like a bass instrument but it's also like no no ma it's like yeah it's all (laughs) droney and like powerful but it also can like make really like deep wide melodies and things so i don't know i find it can be a little bit manipulative um and i you know have to Mm. say that that's kind of what they're doing with the cello um to sound deep um both musically and you know uh, intellectually but i i have to say yeah there is some solid soundscapes on here and like really cool kind of um pensive passages on here um but the way that they do like the interplay with the electronics and um the acoustics so that i thought you know thought that was pretty pretty listenable pretty enjoyable and then kind of got me into it but then they would kind of miss that too. And then kind of do like that bass song or like some more bloopy bleepy stuff that didn't. And I kind of, in the end, I kind of just wish they were just doing that acoustic slow core kind of style that, you know, was kind of the, the earlier like 90s stuff. But I thought that could have been more interesting. if like how to do that and layer it with more electronics and be a little bit more pensive and wide open sounding and less kind of up their ass with the, uh, I don't know, with the, like fucking yeah graduate school stuff so yeah i don't know i'm kind of mixed on it i was happy to have my prejudices and my preconceived notions of it you know defied a little bit um that's always nice you know because you don't want to be too staunch one way or the other but then again i did you know find it did take issue with it and um would definitely say it was very much caught in the gears of the hype machine in 2002 in conclusion (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like we all just want to listen to a John Fahey record. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Take that off the record player and then put on like a whatever, uh, you know, public enemy or something, you know, like don't mix them up. Like it's it's all good. Yeah. Listen to some Mort Garrison or something. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yes. Yeah. But not all at the same time, please. I only have so many turntables in the house. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, should we just go to the comic section? What's in the slaps? 
<laughs> comic section. They'd be on the other side of the library in the kids section. Yeah, I think they would have to separate the comics on its own newspaper holder. I believe it was one of those wire racks that like yeah around. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the, comic uh, books. The plastics. Oh no, cover. yeah, the comics. I feel like there was another section for comics. Like your yeah, comic. The comic books were on A-B-C, that wire. BC Hagar the Horrible. Kathy. That wild spindle. That wire spindle. Yeah, Mad Just, Magazine. Go fold the back. Yeah. Just point me to the Garfield books, baby. Yeah, more family circus guy myself, but here we are. I'll just start off by saying I will popcorn to myself, self popcorn Asian. I really didn't pinpoint any slacks or slaps, and and part of that was maybe not giving it. By me, I should give it like five or I don't know three or four more listens, and then I could have like pulled out songs, but I kind of saw it all as one movement. And it's just a collection of different passages. So I didn't really pinpoint anything that was wacky or slappy, you know, because like I said, it's like very simple songs and over time with bigger ideas, but nothing like kind of fits it categorically. So I kind of for went for went. I don't know if that's a word. Should look that up in the dictionary, that section. So I don't know. That's kind of how I perceive the album and like you sold for go. You trying to say forego? For I foregoed. I foregoed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we got you. All right. Well, but I am curious to see what, yeah, what, how you kind of all parsed it out. Well, popcorn it. All right. Let me popcorn it to my man, Noah. What are your slappers? Slaps? I had quite I had a surprise. I had like a few, like three. Um, Oh, like a third of the album. Well, I had Mickey Bass as a slapper question mark just because it's slap bass. Yeah, you kind of so, had to put that in there. Mikey Bass. Mikey, Mikey bass. bass. Yeah, I'd throw my hat in that too. Yeah, that to. song's silly. That's not a slapper. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. I think song number five. All our bass are belong to them. That's probably Which, my favorite song on the album. I could not, in good conscience, list what's it. What's up with these titles? Though, that like, title you're is "You're Not As Drunk As I Think I Am." Like, what is this? <laughs> That's from The Simpsins. What is this? A um, t-shirt. The "All Your Races Are" is like one of the earliest memes. Boardwalk. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah. I mean, these songs all, most of them have silly names or they're references to things. But yeah, as you said, as Kale was mentioning here, all our bass are belong to them is one of the earliest internet memes is a mistranslation from a Japanese video game, uh, which it, if you're an old internet head, you know what this is, because this was everywhere. This was on T-shirts. It was on mugs. It was on fucking, you know, flash animations in the year 2000 and whatever, 2001. Let's make the doc. Wacker Slaps <laughs> presents all our base are belong to them. The history of <laughs> the original meme. I think the yeah, original quote is uh, all our bass are belong to us. Yeah. There's something like that. But anyways, uh, but like the others, you know, like contempt is a reference to the, the, the Godard movie, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going yeah, on here, movie. but, I but it also, best movie. I think it's interesting because it, Oh, that's interesting. But I think it's uh, these all kind of the titles, the silliness of the titles points to what we're talking about of like, these guys are not necessarily taking themselves too seriously. It was like everyone else that took them very seriously as like an you know, oh they're making this really important statement on art and they're like we're saying like they're really just 
two dudes from you know from manhattan dicking around with with samples like that's really what it comes down to and having a good time doing it you know it's i think that's one of the things that gets missed is like it should like there's fun here it's not necessarily all stayed you know the sound might be clinical but there's some like humor here there's some fun here sorry not to inter interrupt your your thing though no it's that's good. a good point adrian uh, i think so but yeah, I think this song has banjo. This is this is the epitome of the uh, Flats and Scruggs meets Aphex Twin thing. <laughs> and this is I wanted to highlight this song because it actually has like an actual song, like with a chorus, and kind of reminded yeah. me of like Nir Nirvana Unplugged or something. Yeah, which, <laughs> there's quite a bit of that on this album. It's like hello, not me. Nirvana <laughs> Unplugged. The I David was talking Bowie to cover. my wife, Kiki, Wifey's Corner. That's my favorite Nirvana album. I know that's basic bitch. I like anything but... by Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to do that for the pod one of these days. Nirvana Unplugged. For we'll uh, classics. For classics? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely Which... up there with one of the greatest live albums of all time. It's great. Oh, yeah. But also, this we're coming up on 30... I think actually this week uh, is the 30th anniversary of Nevermind released, right? Well, I mean, we don't. QAnon's going to get that guy. That's child pornography. <laughs> Q, arrest Chris Novoselic now. Just Chris Novoselic. Nobody yeah. else involved in that. No, Foo Fighters <laughs> are cool. Let Dave Grohl go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Adrian, uh, I don't know. I think that's like I didn't mark the spot where it goes into the chorus. Maybe like one twenty-five or something of uh, all our bass are belong to them. Yeah, I have that marked off too. I I also have this as a as a highlight of the album. Um, as you're mentioning, this is kind of one of the there's two or three songs here which are like actual songs like or closer to actual songs let's say in, in terms of structure this is definitely one of them but there you know this is this is a nice track there's you know there's a little bit of a post-rock vibe i feel like in the earlier goings of the song yeah. and then it kind of turns into more of the folky stuff that you're saying but uh here's a little bit of the vocals that you're talking about on all our bass are belong to them And see, like on that track, like some of the weirdness comes in from like that secondary vocal that's like pitched way down. So it's almost like like back in the day, you know, remember when they would sell those like change your voice, alter your voice to, to make yeah. phone calls or whatever. It sounds kind of like that. So it's like what's even your favorite it's... scary movie? Like one <laughs> yeah, of those things? Exactly. Because yeah. it's like it's like pretty much it is, you know, a fairly, you know, anodyne microphones-esque kind of folk song right yeah but it, there's like that's they're just 
always one little bit that's off that they're throwing in there that they're like, this is, this is not what you think it is, or this is not necessarily on the level as, as, you know, as a song or whatever. But let me play. There's some, there's some more stuff, interesting stuff with the song. Here's a bit where there's like some cool guitar samples. I thought uh, just a little bit later in the song. Should have used that sample. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely. Yeah, it's pretty. It it builds into a nice kind of pleasant folksy thing. And it's definitely one of the more straightforward uh, pieces on the record. Nice. Adrian, popcorn. What's your slapper? Yeah. So I think we share a couple actually. I'll mention I'll mention a couple and then I'll play one. So the opening track I think is is interesting and it, it I had it as a highlight. Um, I just think that it it kind of introduces you to their sound pretty well, like in a good way, in interesting and and right out the gate, you know, it's, they're kind of saying this is what we are, this is who we are, because it, it's immediately you're kind of into the samples, you're into kind of like the layering of the vocals there's kind of the intensity of like the, you know, the, there's that woman ranting about whatever about uh, unemployment uh, and, and uh, there's other little weird things. So I think that's a nice intro. Um, Isn't there a real world reference where it's like myself, Tammy and Brad. Oh yeah. Maybe I didn't, I didn't really catch that one, but you might be right about that. I think it's um, real world LA if I'm not mistaken. Mm, interesting. And then another one I liked was Thank You Branch, um, which has some nice ambient, like Tim Hecker type stuff in the middle, mm-hmm. which is really interesting and cool. Yeah, I'm a little a more weight on that song. It sounds a little heavier than most of the stuff on here. Yes, definitely. But the one I want to play is Getting the Done Job, which is another one where there's a lot of interesting kind of droney ambient stuff going on but then it builds into like this nice beat and with you know some nice samples playing over it and um some vocals as well but yeah why would why did you have this as a as a slapper noah i had a slapper it kind of reminded me like early animal collective for sure but i highlighted the 220 mark they kind of got a shankar ravi shankar vibe going it almost sounds like sitar and i think it's a very respectful tasteful use of a kind of a shankar sound mm, yeah um, and pretty cool bass too yeah i think this song actually hits a groove i think that's what the problem with this band is they like interrupt their groove so much that like the songs sound choppy a lot mm. of the times and i think yeah, this song actually way, had a, their own groove had a, a full the song structure really worked in its favor, which I can't say for most of these songs. Yeah, I'll agree with that in terms of the structure working in its favor. It, yes, that I think that holds necessarily holds back the other songs, but I think that can make it more difficult for you know the average listener to come in and, and connect with it because, like we were saying, the groove is not as 
clear focused as as other electronic music or it's more it's definitely more unique to them and more idiosyncratic so it's hard to kind of get into it because it's not rhythmically is like like your brain's trying to process it but it's just it's it's slightly off so it's not quite working but when they do kind of get find that groove and they do kind of find their own thing it it works really well um so i'll go ahead and um play a little bit of getting the done job Right there. totally that vocal yeah yeah and i think it it does work i mean this is i don't know what exactly they're sampling there it sounds like some some you know eastern instrument but it, it's interesting when they bring some of that stuff in and how they do kind of find a way to to make it kind of flow and groove even though it's all chopped up and and weird um yeah for sure yeah. Um, what should we do? And one more slapper, Adrian. Do we have another one that we agreed on that you want to highlight? Did you have yeah. motherless bastard on there? Uh, so I have that as an honorable mention. I have a couple of other things. You know, I think "Read Eat Sleep" is an interesting track. It, it especially because it is kind of like it's like Jim Tam Laundry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, throwing it back. But um, uh, but it it has like a lot of the pieces we're talking about like the you know the kind of the the weird like instructional tape sample you know yeah. guitars and then it ends with kind of a you know the definition of aleatoric music which is like this self-referential thing you know okay like, adrian i'm glad you mentioned it because we got to play that song and for we need to re-edit this episode because for what's their deal they're aleatoric no, uh, they claim that they're not though, because everything's <laughs> so manipulated and so controlled. Yeah. Aleatorics like incidental and like no, aleatorics he, like rolling dice. Like it's the, chance, yeah. You know, wind chance. chimes. That's yeah. true. But I mean, we gotta listen to it. This this is like their thesis of their collegiate essay that they're or their yeah, their term paper. <laughs> I'll play, yeah, I'll play that a little bit and then we can move on to um motherless bastard. Um, but I just wanted, I just felt this song was important because it does kind of lay out uh, some of their MO. But here is just a bit of Read, Eat, Sleep. That's like the scene in the movie where they say the title. <laughs> <laughs> sick of these reindeer games. Shit like that. <laughs> but yeah, moving on to uh, Motherless Bastard. 
Yeah. Uh, I think this is a really great Not song. Not to be it's confused an- with Motherless Brooklyn. <laughs> Shitty movie made by uh, <laughs> Ed Norton. Ed Norton. <laughs> or uh, Motherless Child, the 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 folk song. Um, yeah, really, Ricky Havens. Yeah. Yeah, Richie Havens. We uh, lost him this year, right? I think we did. Was that last year or was that this year? Yeah. Either way, R.I.P. Yeah, within the year. Probably, that, uh, probably the best Woodstock performance, I would say. Well, and, and they should have just called it after that. It was, <laughs> yeah, open the show and we're done. It was largely <laughs> improvised as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because right, like uh, Motherless Child's like an old. Well, you like, know who he was stalling? standard and he just. Someone. Yeah. Up. Someone. Someone didn't make Sean it. Right? I think <laughs> yeah. he was stalling for time for Santana and then they were the next. Oh, is one. that it? So like the two, like 930 a.m. and like 1130, <laughs> like killed the whole show. Oh, yeah. Just leave. Well, come back for Sly and then leave after that. Well, then come back for Jimmy on you know Monday morning or whenever that was. Yeah, even that you probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, Remember when they made that uh, VH1 documentary about uh, Stillwater, the first band to play at Woodstock? Not the first artist, but the first band. Oh, yeah. And that was like their only claim to fame. And they made like a straight Wait, to Are you VH1 talking about doc. almost famous Stillwater? No. Oh, no. no. This is a real life. right? Sweetwater, yeah. Sweetwater. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, because I was going to say, Caleb, this song, Motherless Bastard, sounds like the almost famous movie score. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Just all it's jumbled like, up. All played at once. It's all like nostalgic, sweet kind of. It also reminded me of like the the NBC hit family drama this is us theme song <laughs> uh yeah shout out to all you this is us heads out there um yeah, what do you call on. yourselves You're no us, us, to us. us um, we, just, we just call them we just call us ushers no we call us. them relatives <laughs> all right you have to think about that but uh, this song yeah this song is another one where it 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 follows like kind of more traditional strong structures and I think that works pretty well for them, but it also has one of the coldest vocal samplings on this record in yeah. terms of like, can we skip uh, that? I don't want to listen to that again. <laughs> it's pretty dark. Um, I must say. Um, what about the, the kid? Yeah. I think he's yeah. just teasing his daughter or whatever. That's he is, but it's a little sinister. It's a little yeah, totally. sinister. If that's real, that's pretty twisted. Um, now I'm sure it's now that shit the, happens the all the time. They're like, Oh, look at this thing I filmed that's supposed They'll to look do it for you Instagram, know? yeah, exactly. But to like actually have to find that at some point, that's yeah, it's impressive. Different time, uh, yeah, yes. So, you, you know, out there, you can listen to that, it's in the intro, but there's some really nice instrumentation going on, and actually, it's kind of a nice juxtaposition or an interesting juxtaposition to the to that dark kind of theme of the uh, you know motherless bastards kind of a dark title the the sample's dark but then the music is kind of you know a little bit pleasant so um i don't know do you have anything to add noah no nah, man let's hear it all right here is a bit of motherless bastard
it's kind of got like a John Bryan uh, uh, kind yeah. of like jauntiness. Ramshackle. Like a sweeter part of it, though. The, the more yeah, that swelling, was kind of the weird part. Hold on. Let me. Um, swelling strings. I think it's around here. That was kind of a probably one of the more weirder plugs. Yeah. But here's uh, I heard here's some... uh, this guy after he recorded this song, he took his cello into the doctors and he's like, my strings are swollen. They were such <laughs> swelling strings. <laughs> All right. Hey, doc, All take right. a look at this. All right. I'm closing <laughs> the book, guys. Uh, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> All right. Here's a little bit of that. I think this is what you're referencing. And indeed from final doom. There must be this act of faith in the European family. Mm, oh, wait, I'm not. thinking of this. This is the wrong song. Yeah, sorry. Say, this, is, this isn't your vibe, Noah. You're playing all bad ends all. Shit. All right, let's redo that. I have that let's as redo that. <laughs> Spoiler. Just played song number seven. Mother. We got to redo that. Hold on a second. Bastard. Yeah. So here's... um. How that happened it must have jumped back when it's when i uh sorry all right so here's here's some of that motherless bastard that i'm talking about i'll just cut this into that to the previous yeah, bit hold on whatever do what you gotta do Mommy, Daddy. <laughs> all right there it is there we go on this very special two-hour episode this is us. <laughs> Join America's favorite family as they find out there was another family member. So yeah, really kind of, you know, more traditional song, a little bit of sweetness there to kind of offset the, yeah, the, the kind of brutal intro. But yeah, there's, there's a little viola part that you're talking about, Noah. like the almost famous score it's like it's all happening William <laughs> the flower just make us look cool you made friends with the band don't ever do that I dig music so wait, Adrian, um, do I gotta do my swollen strings joke again? Or are you gonna <laughs> No, I can chop that. I can cut that Here's in. your chance to not do that. <laughs> this all stays in. Yeah. Keep the fuck up. Um warts and all, as they yeah. say. Warts and all, yeah. Adrian, um, that song you were playing that you thought was motherless bastard. Because we're not well, I didn't edit it. honestly, I didn't think it was. I just because it it sounded wrong, but then it just I went with it. Um, yeah we can just we'll edit it now we'll just explain it it'll save you time but <laughs> song fine. number three that we played instead of motherless bastard all bad ends all that transitions into my whack because that song is like jitterbug bullshit <laughs> that song's so silly and stupid and i think it samples churchill winston churchill and it's more like church. oh yeah chill <laughs> Oh, oh fuck geez. that dude. Yeah, that's interesting. Um I I didn't I had it as a honorable mention mostly because I feel like this is one of the more this track actually sounds closest to what was 
to the other stuff that's going on at the time, like the the kind of folkotronic sample delica stuff that you know that we're talking. It's like a little bit closer to that, and it feels like the most dated to me. So I don't disagree with you that it's not one of their better tracks. I just always thought it was just an interesting one that really speaks to that moment in time and whatever two thousand and one uh, or two thousand two. But right. yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do we need to hear any of it? I don't think we need to hear it. Let's hear it again. Just play the beginning. It's so stupid and silly. All right, here's <laughs> here is a little it. bit of all bad ends all. Oh, boy, they oh, say oh. things. Nobody wants to hear that. That's the one that reminded me the most of uh, Eamon Tobin. It's kind of got like a little yeah. bit of a European thing. It's got yeah, it's more like a... janky Reinhardt. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like low rent Django for sure. Uh, Adrian, do you have a whack or no? No, I really. There's only one track where I felt was truly kind of skippable. Deaf Kids, um, the last one. No, I like that one. I thought that was had some nice, interesting. Um, That's like kind shitty, of interesting, shitty Primus. And, and it's Primus? also so short. It's also so short that I'm like, it doesn't. It's not worth. Shitty but... Primus is just called Primus, no. <laughs> yeah, it's shitty. It's shittier Primus. <laughs> but the one, the one track where I'm like, you can probably skip this one is uh, a dead fish gains the power of sentience uh, or yeah. whatever. The last two songs cut them out. They're they're almost like or power of observation. They're trying bonus. to go in like a different direction. That's just kind of like it's too late, guys. They're almost like bonus tracks or something. Yeah. Yeah. A I mean, dead it... fish gains the power of observation. Yeah. No. Stop. Dumb. It's my notes. I just put dumb. <laughs> it does feel like these two were just like, like the most the weirdest kind of little experiments that they had. They're just like, we have these two left over. Should we just throw them on there? Like, yeah, fuck it. Put it at the end. Why not? Because honestly, actually, if you ended with Get the Done Job, I think that would probably end it pretty nicely. And then you'd have a nice 10 songs. Yeah, way better. About 35, 35 minutes. That could work. Apropos song title. Yeah. But but yeah, overall, I wouldn't. Why fuck with the shit? (laughs) You don't want to fuck with the shit. Um, But overall, I would say like, it's, you know. It's fine. There's, those two songs are so short. It's not even really worth, you know, bothering yeah. kicking them off. All right. Well, move on. Yeah, there you have it. Shall we? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the books. Thought for food. That's how we uh, felt. That was our wax notes, our slaps. You know, so in terms of rating, you know, the here's what I want you guys to think about before we do our ratings here is you lend this book to one of your homies. Are you asking for it back like right away or are you going to be like, you know, you see it on their shelf like 12 years later and you're like, oh, didn't I give you that book? And you don't really give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've probably probably put a number on that. You got to put a number on that. What number would you put on that? Man, I feel like my rating after I listened to it today and kind of gave it enough time and sat with it. I was coming out the gate with a seven, but now like listening to how bad that all bad ends all song is, I think I got to drop it down. This is 6.9. 
<laughs> this album is it, the one word that comes to mind is just annoying like, <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> there's good songs in here, but there's a lot of bad songs. For every good song, there's two bad songs, I would say. All right. Yeah. What about you? I, yeah. I 9.0, that's super duper high. As much as I appreciate and like this record, as much as I enjoyed it when I was younger and as much as i enjoyed it listening no, to it that now wacko <laughs> i don't know nine that's way too high so i i think it's still good i, I wouldn't put it anything less than an eight but I, i'm gonna give it 8.1 i think it's just slightly above like the 8.0 mark but it's not it doesn't reach the upper heights of a 9.0 8.1 all right 8.1 it is true believer strikes again <laughs> That's a fair, that's a fair price. Yeah. And then what am I going to give it? Yeah. I thought about it at first. I was like, like, this album's barely there. Like, why, why is this even here? You know, like this is just dumb, but then, you know, kind of grew on me for like those plucky Americana kind of parts. Um, so I kind of fault it too much, but then again, I was just like, yeah, but then I don't really like it. So I'm going to give it a 6.5. Whoa. Uh, hmm. um, wow. And, and then with Noah six point nine and Adrian. All right, no, no, no. Okay, bump mine up to a seven. Now I feel bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna bump mine down to a six point four. Okay. No. <laughs> it's like it's like when the old man and his wife cool. are like gonna vote for president. They're like, well, push and pull. Cancel his vote. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I only your vote numbers, to cancel my dad's vote. Right. I don't actually get what I want. All right. With all that considered. That gives a 7.2, a whopping 7.2. That seems the fairest rating we've that ever That seems given. like yeah, that's contemporaneously, if this album came out, that's what, exactly what they would give. I think Adrian like juiced or it a, a little. Like he juiced it. He saw the <laughs> he saw what we were going to give it. And <laughs> Can't let them tank this one. Yeah, it was a preemptive strike on his part, but yeah. <laughs> Yep. No, I think that's fair. Even though I, I I have more of appreciation for this than you guys, I think that I think seven point that's fair. That's completely fair. This album comes out today. It's not even getting reviewed on Pitchfork, let alone <laughs> getting a seven point two. Yeah, this would be like buried somewhere on on Bandcamp, and people be like, <laughs> "Oh, Caleb, I had that exact same thing." And it talks about how we're talking about like maybe this band. This band like shouldn't have gotten internet hype at all. Like this is a like a a band that your friend is in and it, it exists on <laughs> Bandcamp and it doesn't even there is no physical copies. Like it's just something your like friend shows you. Yeah, it's like this podcast. Dude. You know, it's just like, hey, check this out. <laughs> in fact, we have a lot. To it. We have a lot in common with books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Overlapping uh, sounds. Yeah. Questionable quality <laughs> uh, it's a good 7.2 all right but let's let's smooth out the scale a little bit here uh, well how, what is this stacking up to life's been good you know i'm surprised there's not a life's been good sample on this album or some joe walsh doing like a radio interview when he was in james gang like cleveland <laughs> in like 68 or something yeah you it'd know? be his voice that would definitely slide yeah. What would that sound like, Caleb? Like, bloop, 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 bloop. 
You know, we like the old stuff, like the rock and roll, like the blues stuff. But, you know, we also like the uh, like the, you know, what's going on with the, what the kids like. And, you know, it's all about having a good time. And, you know, of course, we're, you know, meeting ladies on the road and, you know, go out to California and find that good green stuff. If you know what I mean, it's uh, anyways. <laughs> Kayla, we did it. Yeah. We beat the books. Print it. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Well, let's play some of uh, Joe Walsh and uh, I'll go pee and then we'll wrap this fucker up. <laughs> All right. All right. No, make sure you take your field recorder into the bathroom and you pee. I want to use that sample for, for, <laughs> for, for another time. Uh, cool. All right. Well, here is a little bit of. Joe Walsh's life's been good. All right, and we're back. Whatever happened to this band? Who cares? They closed <laughs> that chapter themselves. They do. They did. They, they did actually do that. They Go do ahead. have a song with uh, Jose Gonzalez, our old friend. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. They did put out a number of other records, and then they called it quits in, I believe, God, 2014 or something like that. Maybe, maybe oh, wow. before that. Yeah, um, they booked a tour and no tickets were sold so they were like okay people thought um, they were bookmarks yeah so they they announced that they were breaking up on let's see uh, in january of 2012 in an interview with pitchfork oh, oh so wow you heard there you, you heard it first breaking news the books all right break up Okay, moving on. Yeah, it turns Let's out they were the spineless. books got shelved. <laughs> there was no the spine. There's no spine. Uh, turns out they were banned in all 50 states. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's next, Caleb? Let's play a game, Noah. You got one for us? Yes, I have a game called Name That Book. I mean, Band. And I'll give you guys clues to a band that their name derives from literature. Mm. Oh, name, name the band. All right. This 1960s psychedelic rock band took its name from a book that also took its name from a William Blake quote. It's psychedelic. Is it Steppenwolf? Close. Mm. I thought I had this one, but I don't know what it is. Go ahead. What's your guess, Adrian? It's a the band, to give you a hint. Oh, okay. Then never mind. Go ahead. 60 psychedelic. Caleb, guess? Uh, I guess Steppenwolf. But another guess? 
Um, the 13th floor elevator. They were also banned in the state of Florida, I think, because the uh, singer whipped his dick out on stage. Wait, it's, oh. is it the doors? Yeah. The doors. I thought, are that, was a, I thought See, that was I thought Aldous that was Huxley. Long. That's Aldous yeah, Huxley, so the, yeah. The Aldous Huxley book is The Doors of Perception, which c- comes from, from a William um, Blake quotation Blake. called ah, The Doors oh, of Perception right. Cleansed Everything Would Appear. That's right. As it is infinite. A lot of layers. All right. Speaking of almost famous, uh, Jim Morrison is a drunken buffoon. I agree with you, Philip Seymour <laughs> <Philip> Hoffman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's true. Doors. <laughs> That always happens every once in a while. You're talking to some dude about music and they'll be like, yeah, and the doors, they're good too. And you're like, oh, you haven't heard yet. You're not caught up. Ouch. I'll figure it out. Uh, This 1960s psychedelic band got its name from a Michael Lee book. Some say they only sold a thousand albums of their first album. But everyone that bought that album started a band. That's the biggest <laughs> fucking clue yeah. ever. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty. The, the first clue was pretty, pretty. If you know, then you know. I mean, it's it's yeah. Go ahead, Caleb. You know what it is. No, you know. Come on, Adrian. You should say it. It's the Velvets. The yep. Velvet Underground. So, do we know who who actually gave that quote with the thousand records, thousand bands? I've heard like Jeff Buck. But I think it was John Kell himself that did it. But I don't know. Yeah, I think they planted that themselves. Yeah, it's a good line. But you know, man... only a thousand people read that. <laughs> <laughs> but then everyone who read that started, started to underground. I thought I always thought to become a writer. I had always heard it as being Eno who said that, but I could be I wrong. Eno, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard Jeff Buck, Eno, John Kell himself. Anyways, the Velvet Underground considered the name to be evocative of underground cinema. Okay, nice. this. Are you guys looking forward to that documentary? The the who's doing it? Todd Haynes. The one Todd Haynes is making. It's gonna mm. be whatever boilerplate. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling, but you know that's nice. It's gonna be a nice comfort watch. Kind of uh, guys deal these days. These indie rockers got their name from a Virginia Wolf poem the mark on the wall we have covered this very band on this very podcast and it did it did it come up that there's a virginia wolf i think we missed it i think we missed um attributed the um the band name to something else i think i did that was probably me I, i don't check my facts well, we don't always go into the the band names either. So, yeah, because we're usually just talking about the album. Um, anyways, we mentioned them, I think, on this podcast, this episode, actually. Um, I'll give you. Let's see. Do you know Adrian? No, I, I'm trying to blank here. I mean, it's going to be super obvious once he says it. The so yeah, Virginia Wolf. It's a uh, Let's say I'll give you a hint. It's a meek rodent. Modest. Oh, mouse. modest mouse. Yes. But isn't that? I thought it was. Just, hmm. Now I'm second guessing myself. Yeah, I thought that. it was from uh, like 
what's that one? The uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. I thought it was from there. Or uh, yeah, I heard it was it, it, like I remember not Hitchhiker's spe- Guide. It, um, the uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, I don't know. I don't know Guys, about this that. This isn't a nerd podcast. This is fucking books, dude. We talk about <laughs> rock and roll. Cut all that out. Anyways, supposedly, supposedly it was from there. Uh, Frontman Isaac Brock says, I chose the name when I was 15. I wanted something that was completely ambiguous, but it's really candy-esque sounding, but it meant something to me, and I could identify with that. That's kind of on brand for them too, where they're kind of like have a bunch of different explanations for something. You know, it's kind of like their whole legend. You know, it's kind of confusing. Okay. I feel like band names, they all have that kind of there's like 15 different stories. Yeah. It. Totally. Ultimately, it's just like, oh no, we yeah. just thought it sounded cool. Most of them like, are dumb. The books actually only like 10 good band names. The books I was reading, the the way that they came that name came about is they had this big list of different names that they showed their friends and the books was the only one that was not universally chosen. So they went with it. Oh, process of elimination. This next band took its name from a famous cut up author that made a famous nonlinear narrative. This book was banned. We mentioned this. Oh, Steely Dan. There you go. See, I always thought that was named after. Oh, yeah, Burroughs. Named after Steely Dan the Third from Yokohama, which is like a dildo or something. Yeah, strap on dildo from William Burroughs, Naked Lunch. Wild book, wild book. Yeah, it's a tough sit. I've read it. Or just read it. It doesn't. I don't know if I really read it. I read like the words that were written. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that's right. right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This band takes its name from a famous French novel about a boy and his dog living in a small French Alps mountain village. It spawned a French live-action television series in 1965, a Japanese animated series in the 80s, and the name of a popular indie pop group in the 90s. Which is said band? Do you know? Bell and Sebastian. There you go. Kayla, nice pool. I knew I had a cartoon connection. All right. That's all I got. Um, Some other ones, just rapid fire here. You got The Fall by, which is Albert Camus. Uh, Right. You got got the Boo Radleys, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yeah, the Boo Radleys. You got As I Lay Dying, although the singer from that band, I don't think has ever read a book, and he claims it has nothing to do with the William Well, because originally album. I think they're called I Lay Dying, and then they added that or something. There's also stupid. like a tween core band called Of Mice and Men, which is like, that is yeah. fucking, <laughs> it's like one of the most well-known books ever. I got that on there, yeah. You got Opeth, Art of Opeth. Noise, Art of Noise, Striper, it's like a Bible thing. Striper is literally a Bible thing. Wow. Yeah. Stripe Bible would be a way better band name because that's 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 a book. (laughs) The name comes from Isaiah fifty three, five, chapter fifty three. Oh, a book of the Bible. Got it. Not just like a novel or whatever. 
All right, cut all that out and let's end this episode. No, that's a good game. Thank you. Yeah, that was our the books thought for food episode. Next week we're doing a little different format. Uh, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go full on morning zoo kind of radio style, but not just any zoo. Wah, 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 the wah. London Zoo, mate. We're doing the Bogues London Zoo from the year of our law. Now give us a cheeky little listen then love. It's gonna be massive. <laughs> Wait, Caleb, say that again in a normal voice. Okay. We're doing the London Zoo, mate. <laughs> By the bug. London Zoo from 2008 in the year of our Lord. Give us a cheeky little listen, love. It's gonna be massive, isn't it? Okay. All you that is the that is the Bugs 2008 album, London Zoo. It's a pretty good album. It's a banger. It's worthy. It's, I, I handpicked it. Um, so, yeah, come back for that for then. Um, for I Come back for the. It, I listened to it today, Cub. Dude, way ahead of the game. Way ahead of me. Uh, yeah. And just, you know, brace yourselves for some really, really good English accents. That was a little preview <laughs> of what, you know. Yeah. We're also going to do the 2005 movie Bug, the William Frank- Franklin starring Franklin. a young Michael Shannon. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Judd. Ashley Judd, right? And Tracy uh, Letts. Right. Yeah. Yep. Wrote it. Tracy, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you one. as always. Thank you for joining us. Kiki, thank you for the theme song. Uh, thanks to Adrian. Thank you to Noah for the game and all that you do. Thank you to Adrian for the production. Uh, make sure you guys are following us. Um, we need more followers at Wacker Slaps on uh, Twitter, on on Instagram. You know, uh, to give us an email. Our merch. We got merch coming soon, and Very you will soon. not be surprised what kind of themed uh, merch it is. So. <laughs> some of you some of our listeners already got uh, got preview copies of the merch so you know don't go telling anyone where you got it it's gonna be a surprise uh give us an email to whackerslaps at gmail.com thank you for listening to us week in week out um do us a favor go on there uh like subscribe review comment and also do the hit the, them little three buttons you can go to share little arrow send that to your people co-workers moms dads parents the bookish you know librarian who's a little hotter once you take those glasses off you know what i mean that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing uh, so yeah whatever you're feeling you know we uh we need more followers we need more listeners and uh yeah thank you for your help with that in advance uh for Noah and adrian uh this has been caleb and this has been wacker slaps and as always rhetorically what made milwaukee famous Ooh, hit the books Bye.